My name is Junior English. I was born in Jamaica. I started my musical journey at a very early age, age of 12. I did my first recording for Prince Buster alongside Errol Dunkley. Myself and Errol Dunkley, we started together as a duet under the name of Errol and Junior. But it didn't manifest it because shortly after we did the first record, I had to leave and join my parents in England. Well, I've lived in Brent for practically all my life, really. I've lived in Brent since I came to England at in 65. I, I was living in Lancashire at the time and I moved to Brent in 66. So since 66 until now, I've been living in Brent. I went to school in Brent and I did everything in Brent. I started in Jamaica when I came to England. I went to school in Preston. I, I was living in Preston, Lancashire. And then I moved to Brent and I started by entering talent competition. Uh, when I came to Brent at a very early age, there was a couple of clubs. There was one club called 31 that was in Stonebridge Park. And there was another club called Burton's that was in Creeklewood. Now, 31 Club was where everything used to happen. There were talent competitions and people used to come from all over to enter this competition. The competition used to be every every Monday night. We used to have artists from Brixton, Tottenham, all over. They used to come to enter the competition. That's where I actually started from. And after entering the competitions, I, I won a few and I, I lost a few. After entering the competitions, I became known. There were uh, a few record companies in Halsen, like Palmer Record Company and Trojan, and we had Creole. They were the popular record companies in Brent. So after entering the competitions and my name came established, I started recording for these companies. I wasn't signed to any particular company. You know, I would record for uh, independent producers and I would record for for record companies as well. So I was like a, f a freelance singer. So that's how my name developed in Brent through the, the, the competitions and, and, and through recordings for, for these companies. But uh, things was, was different in those days. And then I started doing shows as well. There were other people that kept the industry going, who, who was the icon of, of the music. People like Owen Gray, The Marvels, Denzel Dennis, Gianni Orlando, and, and, a few, and a few more. They kept the thing going because I was like a young starter in the business. I used to idolize these people and watch these people and, 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 and learn from these people. There was one radio station that played reggae music. It was BBC Radio. And at the time, there was a DJ called Steve Bernard. He used to play everyone's music. Music from the singers from Jamaica and music of the singers that was England-based. So all the information used to come through through the radio station, but it was limited time. Like, the station only lasted for an hour, and within that hour, you know, the DJ had to play everyone and give all the information that they could give. But things was much different, because if there was an event and there was a show coming up, in those days, when they keep a show, you used to have, like, 10, 12, 15 artists on the show. And they would normally promote the show 
on each event. If there was an event uh, on the night, the promoter would say, ladies and gentlemen, next week or week after next, there's going to be at such and such a place. And, and, and then people would just turn out. People would be glad to turn out because there weren't many places to go. And people were more appreciative and hungry to see singers, you know. So I was I was part of everything, you know. At one stage, I became very popular and I, I mixed in with the guys that was very famous at the time. There were lots of shows like in the Midlands. We used to do show like every week and we would all meet. Sometimes we would be on, on the same show, different people on the same show, Birmingham, Wolverhampton, Manchester, all over. And the people would be just glad to see us when, you know, when we appear and after the show, they they didn't want us to come back to London because they're just glad to socialize with singers and they appreciated what we were doing and everyone was just kind and everything was just beautiful and everyone was just nice. Well, we had gramophone, blue spot gramophone. That was our stereo set. And the music that they played was like soul music, you know, like the platters. They would play Jim Reeves. They would play Sam Cooke, soul singers. Those were the music that I can remember. They would play like Jimmy Cliff and things like that. But it was, it, to be honest, it was mainly soul music. I wouldn't say I had a favorite reggae track. I used to listen to all sorts of music, you know, but I'd liked... At the time, I liked Sam Cooke. I can't remember buying any record because I used to get records. Through the record companies that I visited or I used to visit at the time, I used to just get records free. So I didn't actually buy records. Well, through different generation, the music has changed. And I find in, in my time, music um, is much different from what's going on now. We had people like Ken Boot and many other singers, but to what's going on now, there is a whole heap of change within the, the reggae business. And through generations, I can see the reason for the change because it's a different generation now and everything is has quickened, got faster and there are just changes. But I appreciate what's going on now because it's a ge generational thing and things are different from my time. People were more appreciated at the time. So promotion was, wasn't difficult. Everyone was just willing to promote and we used to promote through every angle, like like the barbershops, like the hairdressers, the takeaways, and we had our radio station that everyone had tuned into, even though it only lasted for for an hour every every Sunday, but everyone tuned into it. So promotion was there and the people, like I said, they were well appreciated and whenever there was an event, everyone just turned out because they were just hungry for entertainment. In those days, people used to dress a particular way, especially our artists. On stage, everyone used to dress a particular way. I mean, musicians used to dress, the singers used to dress. The backing boys used to dress, so it was a completely different thing. On, on stage, it was a pretty, very pretty atmosphere because everyone put themselves out of the way to look good. 
So it did impact and how how you dress. Well, you would wear like a singer, a male singer. He would have a jacket on and, 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 and his trousers, yes, but it would be a particular jacket, like something shiny, something glamorous, a cream trousers. And more time, a man, you would have a cream trousers on, you would have like, like a white pair of shoes, glamorous looking clothes close onto how the music is really going you know what i mean there was there there was a part, particular way that that we used to walk yes like you try to walk as stylish as possible but um i don't think it's because of 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 the music i still make music but there are a lot of changes because there was a time when for years i sang in in a false setter voice. I don't know if you know what a falsetto voice is. Like, in loving you I seem to feel a spirit deep inside. You know that tone? I, I sang that way for, for many years and that was the tone that got me established among people. And then after a while I changed my tone to to a natural voice. And I've been singing the, the, the natural st- style for for over 20 years tap in junior english official or if you go into itunes and tap in junior english you'll see that uh, i'm still active in the business reggae kept the people together because it was something to look forward to and we we didn't really have have much to look forward to more than reggae music and everyone used to look forward to reggae music through the radio and through the, the, the performers, through the singers. So reggae had really kept the people together then and still doing, I think, even now. I, I, I think that we really, to be honest, need our own outlet in the sense that we need our own record company. We need to be more organized. Uh, we need more record companies, bigger record companies. We need companies signing up people, companies like EMI and RCA and all those big companies where they operate. We need to operate like that. I still think the regular business is too loose, too loose in the sense that there is no organization. You ain't got like a Tamla Motown, a company in the regular business that can sign up like 10, 15 artists and and look after them. Everyone is, is is so individual. Everyone is doing their own thing. And more time, most people don't know what they're really doing because the business is not just making music and hoping that something will happen. It, it needs distribution, you know, outlet, management, and things like that. And that reggae music don't have and until we get uh, that side of thing until we have companies that are looking after the artists and their music the right and proper way we're, we're always going to be in a little up and down i've got i've got records uh, and i've got photographs that's all i can that's all i really can put my hand on i, I haven't got much things but um, I can say that at 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 an early stage, if 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 we go back to when I started, I did a lot of traveling as well, because there was a time the reggae thing was was wasn't happening, and I um I decided to 
to try Europe, but you used to have agents from Europe that come over and they used to pitch tents and used to have like four or five bands auditioning and they used to pick whatever band they like and take you back to Europe and give you a contract and no, they give you the contract here and you would go go to Europe and you would work for them like for two months and three months and things like that. And I can remember um, I used to be with a band and we got nominated and we went to Europe. So I used to work all over Europe at one stage, please like Germany, Switzerland, Italy and things like that. And I can remember reggae music wasn't known to those places. And even when I used to work at the clubs and people used to come, you know, and congratulate you and things like that. And when they used to ask, um, where are you from? And I tell them that I was from Jamaica. They've never even heard of, of Jamaica. You know, they said, Jamaica, where is Jamaica? And, you know, you have to try and explain to them. And then you have to say something like the Caribbean. And they say, oh, Caribbean, Caribbean. You know, and, and they've never heard reggae music and things like that. And things used to be different then, really, really different. And even in the clubs, like, we used to do, like, three spots a night. Like, we we do the afternoon session, or two spots a night. We do the afternoon session, which is the martinee in the afternoon, and then you do the night session. And I always have to talk about this because... They never used to see black people. Like, like I spent a lot of time, like, in Italy. And I used to work all over in Italy because there was a guy there called Andy. He was based there. He was from Barbados. So he was looking after the, all the shows and things like that. He, 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 you know, he does the booking and used to go around. And I can remember when, when we had breaks... Like after we do the martini session and we have breaks and the white people, I'd say white people, they used to come and they used to ask me and we've never seen a black person before because we used to work in these little towns out of the city and, you know, and they used to come and they used to marvel about seeing a black person. They used to touch you, they want to touch your hair, they want to feel if you're real and things like that. They used to swipe you to see if if, if, if your colour is going to come off and things like that. And I can never forget those times because it's like it wasn't real, if you know what I mean. And I just go back to tell you the experience that I had when I used to travel um, at an early stage 